Welcome to the Too Much Content Podcast. I'm your host, George Brown, and I'm joined by my best friends, Stuart and Chris. With so many streaming channels out there today, it's hard to know what to spend your time watching or catching up on those incredible shows your friends and colleagues are talking about, and even if it's worth going to the cinema anymore. So we do it for you. Every episode, we come together to discuss the latest premieres in film and TV, to give you the lowdown on the good, the bad, and the damn right ugly. Without contradicting ourselves, you can listen to us anywhere on the go, so we can help you find what's best to watch. So sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Too Much Content Podcast. Um, I'm here with Chris. Hello. And unfortunately, Stuart still isn't back with us. He's taking a long period of rest. <laughs> the podcast has <laughs> extended <seen>, leave. <laughs> seemed too much for him. No, he's still um, away skiing, um, enjoying himself, but he should be back with us on next week's episode. So, as we discussed um, last week, we're gonna we've decided to split um, each episode into a, a film and TV category because. It maybe have been too much for the listener. We got a couple of recommendations that the episodes were getting a little bit too long. So we're going to do like an hour each for one film, one for TV every week and um, keep providing you with those recommendations. This week we're going to be looking at All Quiet on the Western Front, which has been out for a little while, um, but it's available on Netflix. Um, Air, which we got an early screening of, um, and that will be coming out on the 5th of April, I believe. And John Wick 4, which is out now in your local cinema. And uh, we'll be having a look at that as well. So, All Quiet on the Western Front. Directed by Edward Berger. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, which stars the film debut of Felix Camera. I think that's Camera. Mm-hmm. That's right. He plays Paul Baumer. Um, and if I just give a brief overview of what the plot is on this film. So the plot is, it follows the teenager Paul Baumer and his friends as they voluntarily enlist in the German army. Bit of a crazy thing to do. Um, with a fire in their stomachs until that feeling quickly dissipates when they face the brutal realities of life on the front. This film, as we now know, has been nominated, or has won actually, for Academy Awards. And it's the most of any non-English language film, tied with a couple of others, um, including Parasite from 2019, which you enjoyed, didn't you, Chris? I didn't. Another non-English speaking film that was good. I I still need to watch it. Um, I know you're disappointed in me. For the listeners, he's giving me a disapproving look. But yeah, I still need to um, explore the wonders of Parasite, but I've heard it is very good. But yeah, so I'll be honest with you, I finished All Quiet on the Western Front last night in the very early hours of the morning and it was emotional mm. it was a very emotional ride what it, it takes a lot out of you what did you think of it? yeah well i watched it during the day so i think it's a bit of a different vibe look at it yeah um right. yeah I, it's interesting seeing it from the german perspective isn't it yes we really see that that's a very good point um, actually and then what this did obviously it was a book have you, you haven't mentioned that, have you? I haven't mentioned that, no. no. So it's based on the book, <clears throat> um, which is probably the most famous book in Germany. Um, and what the film does differently to the book is the book doesn't have it all about the armistice negotiations. 
right, the whole yeah, thing yeah. with Daniel Brühl, yep. who we know from Marvel films as Zemo. Um, that wasn't in the book. That's something that they did. They added that. They took their creative yeah. decision. Um, Which I thought was quite good, actually. Well, I think that added to it. Yeah, because there's the... Because <clears throat> it, gives, it, it gives more of an impact when you see that on that final day... They still make them go out and fight. When which, there's 15 minutes to go. Which is fucking incredible. Which is amazing, yeah. And that, that was heartbreaking for me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that, so that was incredible. So sorry, yeah, carry on. Yeah, I was going to say, <clears throat> give it to the end of the film, and with the pacing, it picks up straight away, and it makes you feel much more empathetic with, obviously you do already, but it makes you feel even more empathetic with the soldiers in that. Mm. It's just about to be an armistice. It's just about to be a stop to the war. But some dickhead, we can say <laughs> dickhead, so dickhead some, generals. Yeah, some general who sits behind a desk, making exactly. them go out and lose their lives. Um, just wants them to one last time for glory, for honour. Which is it's what war's really about, isn't it? It's men with small cocks sitting behind <laughs> a desk, making other men go out and fight for them. <laughs> Wankers. But anyway, sorry. No, what did you think? Oh no, I, li- I did like it, and I think apart from <clears throat> all that stuff. <laughs> small dick energy. <laughs> small dick energy. Um, no, I I agree with you. It was odd because halfway through the film, so we're not going to do spoilers um, and give away any deaths or anything. But I will say no, because obviously it's during war, so some of the, some characters do lose their lives. I mean, that's not you know a spoiler, I would say, um, but we won't say who. Um, but yeah, there's the there's a point in the film where they're running from the trenches, running through like no man's land to try and gain um, land, mm-hmm. um, and the French come with like fire, um, yeah. what they call flamethrowers. Yeah, <clears throat> they start burning people alive, and I was like, I was sitting there thinking, fucking wankers, like burning people alive, like there's not. Apologise. Sorry, the phone's not on silent. Jesus. Right in the m- emotional crutch of the uh, podcast. No, um, I did think like, oh, wankers, like, fucking, that's like probably one of the worst ways to die. But it's war. I know, I know it's what. And then I was thinking, but actually, with the Allied troops, like, we should, like, in my head, I was thinking that was us. Like, mm. so you know, so it does. Like, what I was trying I'm to sure say, they is, did it as well. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm trying to say is, it does make you empathize, empathize, empathize. With, like, empathize sorry. With like the German Germans as well, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, like you said, both sides of the war were young boys, like being young boys, young men, being pushed to kill each other, and it, it is brutal. And I think for anyone who's going to go into this, just prepare yourself because it is like a true telling of what war was like, and it is brutal, isn't it? Yeah, it's gory. Um, yeah, it's 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 a hard watch, I would say. It's not like a film that I'll rush back to watch. A bit like Saving Private Ryan, really. It made me think a lot about Saving Private Ryan, and that's obviously from the American perspective, or like the Allied troops perspective. And I think that is probably... That along with, is it 1917? Mm-hmm. They're the two war films that I think like show best what war's really like. About Dunkirk. Hmm... Dunkirk didn't really sell it for me. It was like, what war was like? I mean, a lot of it was spent on the beach, so it sounds <laughs> lovely to me. But no, um, sorry, to be disrespectful. But no, yeah, Dunkirk, not as much. But 1917 and with all the one shots and saving Private Brian, Private Brian, <laughs> saving Private Ryan with its like brutality, like I think they were the closest things that, you know, really made me 
think about war in that way and I think this now tops it I think this is a lot more brutal yeah it's I... won loads of awards for its cinematography isn't it yeah um, yeah and the sound design as much as I appreciated <coughs> I didn't really realise it as being epic at the time oh, I did you've got your new I TV mate did it not feel like <laughs> I think compared film? to other films we've seen this year and the other films that were in the category for the Oscars. And the one that wasn't in Batman. That was last year, wasn't it? No. It was so in this year's Oscars, yeah, really? It came up a year ago. Um, yeah, I just felt the other films a bit more worthy. But it's from an English um, cinematographer. Yeah, I know. But, okay, so if you didn't feel it was as epic, is that the Netflix problem? Is it because it came out on Netflix? If you went to see this in IMAX... Or, yeah, maybe. Yeah, or on the big true. screen. Do you think you yeah. would feel the weight of it more? Like, would you say it was it was more epic than than you've maybe felt like sitting in your living room watching it during the day? Yeah, maybe. Again, yeah, I watched it during the day, so I think the setting has. Yeah, it's a odd, lot isn't to it? it? Watching it at night and during the day, it does seem to change like the, the vibe. Um, but yeah, getting back to like, the cinematography, I think it was really well filmed. Um, I, 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 I'm astonished. I don't know how I was reading a bit about the background of the film and they were saying that they filmed in Prague um, on this massive set that was about the size of 10 football pitches mm. to yep. do the, all the trenches and the, the film. There's work. a whole uh, behind the scenes thing on Netflix as well. About 20 minute. Yeah, so I didn't get to see that but you watched that. Yeah. Was it good? Yeah. So probably watch that after you've seen mm-hmm. it. Yeah, go into if you're interested about how they made it. Um, but not just the camera work. I mean, the camera work was amazing. Um yeah, and how they pulled off like all the explosions and everything. Yeah, uh, the explosions are insane. So when you saw the behind the scenes, was a lot of that CGI or was that actually no, it was all real? real. It was yeah. real. And then we had the actors saying, "What we're doing isn't acting; we're just reacting." Yeah. To, to all of these going around, explosions yeah. going off, like, these are natural reactions, which is incredible. Yeah. And I, I thought it was good that it's obviously a German film, but obviously. Other than maybe Daniel Brawl, who's kind of come into the mainstream. I didn't know any of the actors. Oh, so it was the debut for Felix. Yeah, and he's from the theatre. I think it's his first film. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's his yeah, debut. All the, obviously, all the actors are fairly young. Yeah, as the soldiers. Which were. I thought was good. So you don't, you, you know, you're not watching I don't know, Matt Damon or Ben mm. Affleck on screen like we're going to talk, talk about in there. But so it's just nice having unknown actors, um, and that was quite refreshing. Um, and also, we both enjoyed the sound design, didn't we? Yes, amazing sound. Music in this, it was interesting because it was almost electric in some parts, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like made sim- from an instrument called a harmonium. Harmonium? Yeah. Right. Which is kind of like half organ. Right. But also some strings. And then the one main soundtrack, which I think is called Remains. Okay. Um, and it goes... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Go on, Chris. Um, <laughs> that's with the harmonium, but also some editing, some modern yeah. like synth yeah. chords over it. Um, but yeah, that's like an 18th, 19th century instrument. I think mm. it's from the time as well, so. That's cool. And um, yeah, because it, it comes in at parts where you don't expect it to come in. Like that Yeah, it comes when they were getting changed, wasn't it? Yeah, first, and like... like um, one of the first times it came in. When Daniel Brawl steps into like going to a meeting, they drop it and it, it mm. kind of made me jump a little bit. But um, yeah, I really liked the sound. It was really good. Um, even though it seems futuristic, it kind of it suited the, the sort of vibe of the film. Um. Yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. And uh, did you know what the title refers to? Oh, actually, should I say 
this film has been made prior. So there's been two versions of this film already made. Yes, I was going to go into... Oh, you were going to say that? I, I apologise, Chris. So, I saw this on a BBC News report. Right. Um, but yeah, obviously it's been made twice before, like I said. Um, 1930 Oscar-winning film and a 1979 TV version. Right. But the rights to the... rights to Nobody has the movie rights to the book until in 2006 when a Leslie Patterson read the book, um, decided to... Thought this should be made into a film. Thought more people need to see this on screen, um, and brought the TV rights to it. And then Leslie Patterson is a Scottish athlete. Right. Yeah, she runs um, triathlons and other, uh, yeah, other normal races. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a runner, clearly. Um, but she, 15 years professional, five-time world champion. Um, so she's, she's she conquered a field. She had to win this race. I think it was in Chile. Yeah. So when with that prize money, because the rights were expiring. Well, she was going to renew and the she rights. she needed, yeah. and obviously now there was more interest in it, the price had gone up. Right. She had to win this race. Yeah. And then with the prize money, she would buy the rights to it and keep the rights and then develop it. Because um, there was some buzz and some interest in to make it into a film from other people as well. Um, and she was injured all the way throughout, like in the run up to it. But somehow, of course, she wins the race. It almost be a film itself. Gets, exactly, it? Yeah, good. Um, gets the prize money, continues having the rights, works in uh, developing it. Um, obviously, along with the writer, um, the German. Who it, wrote the book? No, the German director. Uh, Edward Berger. Right. Um, yeah, just an insane story. That is an incredible story. It's an incredible story behind the incredible story. Um, so that's what, yeah, that's quite cool. So do you know what? So obviously it's been made twice before, um, and they've redone it this time. Um, do you know what the title refers to? All quiet on the western front. Refers to the ending of <laughs> the like novel. A question. The movie is based on where the reader is told that the only report on that day there was nothing new to report on the western front. So that's where the title of the book comes from. Um, but no, yeah, I thought I thought it was a good film. Um, it's on Netflix, as we said. Um, it's obviously won, you know, four Academy Awards. It's, it's done really well. Um, just remember to bring your tissues. It's, it's quite an emotional roller coaster. Um, but it's a great war film for any war film lovers out there. Um, who I am one of. It's it's a great war film. And the other thing is, did you watch the subtitles or did you watch yeah. the audio dub? No subtitles. Always watch subtitles, never watch it done. I thought, yeah, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people about this and, you know, said watch the subtitles. I think it's it's okay to watch the subtitles. I did watch it with the audio dub, um, but I, I did struggle with it because you can tell, like, some of the voice acting doesn't match the characters. Yeah. So I think for the listeners, I would, if you don't mind watching a film with subtitles, I'd definitely probably go with the subtitles. Um, but no, yeah, I think definitely worth, you know, spending your time on. It's not one to sit with the kids and watch, um, but yeah. yeah. If you've got some time and <clears throat> you want to relive, you know, the experiences, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. It it probably will bring you down afterwards because um, it is, you know, it is quite an impact. But so it's a bit like I, I kind of think of the Joker, the Joker film. Like I wouldn't rush back to watch the Joker film because it's it's quite a, an emotional impact when you watch that. 
So I'd say this film isn't something you just put on on like a Friday night. It, you kind of got to mm-hmm. be prepared to go into it. Um, so yeah, you know, but it's good. Uh, just on more on those film rights, um, yeah. they have to renew the option on the film rights every year at a cost between ten thousand and fifteen thousand dollars, eventually shit, totaling really? to two hundred thousand dollars. Fuck me. Yeah. So she was using her race winnings. They had to remortgage the house. Daniel Radcliffe was keen to act in the film at one point, but there wasn't any money to do it. It's incredible. It's obviously paid off for her, because it's obviously done really well, so she must be happy. Um, But no, yeah, I thought thought it was really good. Do you have anything more to add? No. Go watch Um, it. Yeah, definitely, definitely give it a go. Um, So yeah, that was all quite on the Western front. Um, Quite enjoyable. Um, But yeah, very emotionally impacting. So if we turn our sights now to a bit more of an an upbeat film um, in air, which is being released on the 5th of April. Um, It's directed by Ben Affleck and it stars Matt Damon, Jason Bateman, Ben Affleck himself, um, Chris Tucker is back, Mm -hmm. which was great to see, um, Viola Davis and um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the main cast. Um, well, the the big thing to say is you never actually see Michael Jordan. I know, and this is this is what I was going to discuss in in my notes that I I kind of like that. I like that you didn't. S- Obviously, Michael Jordan is a big part of the Air Jordan and like success with that sort of aspect. But it was good that he didn't focus on Michael Jordan. More, yeah, more than a big part. Though. Oh, yeah, oh, a huge part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. Um, but yeah, I I enjoyed that they didn't really focus. I didn't really show his face like much yeah, of the film. It's not, as much as it is about him, it was about the design. It was about Nike. About the they wanted to shoe. share the light on on the mm-hmm. the team at Nike who got this off the ground. Um, for anyone who doesn't know the story of yeah, Jordan, do you want to like run us through a quick? Well, yeah. Synopsis of what happens. As you'll see in the film, Nike was a struggling business at the time, not that it was today. Mm-hmm. Adidas and Converse were the main. Surprisingly, were the main sort of athletic brands. Yeah. Especially in basketball. Uses, sponsorships. Yeah. Um, so, sorry. Nike, so Nike was just like the running shoe, wasn't it? It was yeah. only really known for runners, and yeah. that was it was like a running brand. Um, and then, as you see in the film, they had obviously their budget was much lower than Converse and Adidas mm-hmm. so they couldn't sign as many players that they want to like, obviously like over here if we imagine football over here um, there'll be football boot deals with certain players I know talk now Haaland one of the best players in the league still hasn't signed a boot deal still wearing different boots each game different grounds oh really um, and it's, sorry a... just to clarify obviously basketball wasn't as big at the time was oh, it yeah um, not many people not really as, watch basketball yeah. as much as they may watch, you know, no. baseball or, or American football, maybe. Um, but so that's why it wasn't as big, and that's why they didn't have as much money, or they didn't want to fund as much money into the basketball yeah. division at Nike. Yeah, and also Nike wasn't as big; yeah. they were the third biggest. Yeah, yeah, uh, brand back then. Um, <clears throat> well, but yeah, they only but, had... to, but they were making like a billion pounds off of the running shoe. So in the film, they kind of argue yeah. like, why are you not putting more money into basketball? And I was sorry, what I was trying to say was is that it just wasn't people didn't see it as such a a sport at the time. Well, the people at Nike didn't, did they? No, oh, yeah, yeah, the people at Nike didn't believe, but there was obviously there was obviously a big following outside of yeah. outside of Nike. Sorry, um, but yeah, so they've got a two hundred fifty thousand pound budget um, in the NBA every year. You have the NBA draft, something that they should do really. 
um, when the best players from college um, are ranked. And then usually the worst team that season will get the best one, the top one. And goes on and on and on. Let's the whole thing. But teams do different trades. They trade spots. They trade options on players. It's all quite complicated. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, they've got this 250 pounds in my budget. And instead of signing five players for £50,000 each, um, what's his name? Sonny Vaccaro. Yeah, so Matt um, Damon. Matt so da- played by Matt Damon in the film. Sets his sights on Michael Jordan, who at the time is just this rookie, never set foot on a mm-hmm. NBA court, a professional basketball court before. Um, and he wants to go and get him. And yeah, that worked out pretty well. Obviously, Nike, as we know now, Jordan's a massive brand. Um, it gets, it nets um, Nike about $5 billion every year. That's incredible. Um, so yeah, they took the risk and it paid off. That is that is incredible. Um, so yeah, that that's the base of the film, um, and it follows the team at Nike and and how they kind of persuade Jordan to come and join them rather than go to Converse. And it actually explains in the film that he was a big fan of Adidas at the time of, and because of the tracksuits. Yeah, yes, yeah. so it's mentioned a number of times that he loved the tracksuits and the Mercedes. And, and they, wanted and they offered Mercedes. him a Mercedes. Didn't they? <laughs> oh no, was it a Mercedes? Yeah, yeah it was a Mercedes. A red Mercedes. Um, yeah. But yeah, it explains why they, how they managed to bring him round to join a Nike. Um, did you know Viola Davis? She was actually Michael Jordan actually requested that she plays his mother. I didn't know. So yeah, Viola Davis plays um, Michael Jordan. What's her name? Dolores, Dolores. Jordan, uh, Michael Jordan's mother in the film, and he actually requested that was his main request oh. about the film. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. Um, Quite like Jason. I, I love Jason Bateman. Oh yeah, um, and he plays uh, Rob Strasser. Um, he's kind of like one of the higher ups at, at Nike at the sort time. The marketing head, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then also you have Ben Affleck playing Phil Knight, who's the Nike CEO at the time. Um, I thought the cast was great. Obviously, you've seen Chris Tucker come back. This is like his first feature film since like 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, hilarious. I thought he's hilarious yes. during the film. He really added to it, and it makes me more excited. They're making a rush hour. Then make another rush hour. Yeah, him and Jackie Chan. So I'm I'm excited for that now. Mm-hmm. It's good to see him back, and he's was really funny. Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I wasn't I didn't know what to expect going in. Um, but I think it's good. It, it's like an underdog story. Um, in yeah. a way. It's another, <clears throat> it's another one of these Matt Damon Ben Affleck collabs. Uh, yeah. I think actually I've got oh my notes. What did I say? Started obviously with Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, um, what up? Mm, this is their twentieth collaboration together, either oh. in front or behind the camera, which I think is incredible. Twenty twenty collabs. Um, wow, didn't know that much. Did you know that many? I think, given Air Jordan's fame, I wouldn't say this is particularly a story that I would have expected to be turned into a film. I think the antithesis... Yeah, like it doesn't the, need it, does it? It doesn't need yeah. it. And I think that's why when I was going into this film, I was a bit unsure of like, is it, is it going to be worth my while? I mean, obviously it had a good cast, but I was kind of like, oh, is it... It's just going to be a film that was like, Blair. But I actually really, really, really did enjoy it. I think the 80s nostalgia as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... there's It's there's, really interesting how they get all the... All the merch. I know. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Because... Amazing. They yeah. do it well in this film. They uh, so the, as they pan through the office, they like highlight 
different shots of like old sort of eighties nostalgia things like the cereal. Even like the old Coca-Cola bottles they have I know. around the table. And that must be worth So what I'm wondering is, loads of money. do they acquire that, like looking for it, or do they get like the set designers to to, to make that? I, I would think suggest surely make... the, the studio, surely they share stuff they've had from other films. So surely, yeah, they have Universal? like a, surely, yeah. a massive a big lot, but yeah, I think the, back lot of it. the set designer will yeah, have to go out and get creative yeah. as well. But it was... um. No, I really enjoyed that, and I thought that I thought that definitely added to it. Um, and the music, the the tracks they use, obviously the eighties tracks they use in the film. Mm. Yeah, the music um, was yeah really good to be fair. There's a, okay, so obviously you know what happens. Um, so it's not not really spoilers, but the meeting they have with Michael Jordan towards the end of the film, and you've obviously been watching this underdog team, and especially Matt Damon. No one really believes in Matt Damon. No. Um, other than maybe Chris Tucker, Chris Tucker's character who he plays. Uh, Howard White, who's the basketball like head of basketball in Nike at the time, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, not many people believe in um, Matt Damon's character, um, Sonny Vaccaro, and then you, you see him kind of struggle and fight his way through to get this meeting, and then in the meeting he gives an incredible performance. Mm. Like he gives a speech that obviously I would maybe I'm being a bit dramatic here, but I would say it was life changing for me. Um, and I, for you, for for me, uh, what, it was for sitting me. down in the film. Well, yeah, I just as an audience member, <laughs> How's it changed your life in the as an audience member. Days? I just think it, it kind of like makes you think. Yeah, why, why, you know, just go for it. Like, just do it, as as the Nike slogan is. Um, <laughs> and I actually, I didn't look this up, but I would love to know if that is a real speech that he gave. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at now. You're looking it up now, um, but just to give the audience a bit of background, so basically. Who's the attitude who plays the coach? Um, He's in Marlon Wines. Marlon Wines, yeah. He plays the coach. Um, Michael Jordan, one of Michael Jordan's old coaches. Um, coach the Olympic team. Yeah, he coached the Olympic team. So he's like a huge part in it. And they sit in a bar and he explains that he... Um, if I just say he got a famous speech given to him by someone... Um, I won't spoil who it is, but yeah, he gets this famous speech <laughs> given to someone. But I think you can kind of guess who it is. Um but he says that he explains to Matt Damon's character, Sonny, that basically he was given a speech by someone very famous and that when he saw the speech, after it was made up. And I think like Matt Damon takes that into the meeting and kind of they're showing off this video reel to Michael Jordan and it's like not going very well. So he just like says, yeah, stop the video. And, and he gives this great speech. And yeah, I thought, I thought it was incredible. He stole the absolute show during that, during that yeah. speech. Um, and it was a great sort of climax to the film and you kind of... They obviously get the deal, and um, I think it portrays really well how vital um, Jordan's mother was in getting him like the rights, so that he made. And Michael Jordan says that. All yeah, the yeah, time yeah, well. yeah. No, I'm sure he does. Um, and like in his success, and I think obviously they highlight that that changed a lot of deals with players um, yeah, going so forward. Is, yeah, because um, obviously before that, not many, you know, they didn't get any um, profits from being like the face of the brand yet after this apparently it says at the end I can't remember the quote but it says at the end that a lot of players won like rights didn't they to yeah. to, to potential shares in the brand um, and I think it made the NBA loosen their rules a bit as a whole thing obviously yeah. with the Jordan Yeah. one major thing about the Air Jordan was that the colour on it and oh, that yeah. amount of colour wasn't allowed by the NBA at the time no. so Nike would have to pay $5,000 every time every, every Michael game. Jordan stepped on yeah. the court wearing the Jordan 1s. Um, so, yeah, I think it changed NBA rules. And, yeah, it's sort of 
trailblazed a whole new sort of like revolution for, for basketball prof- itself. Yeah. Basketball yeah. and professional athletes. Yeah, no, definitely. In wanting more rights. Um, but no, it's it's a great film. I would <coughs> sorry, point. Uh, I um I would recommend it to everyone. Um, it's obviously not out yet, but when it does come out, I think it's going to be a huge hit. Um, it's it's just a good uplifting story, isn't it? Mm. Um, and obviously you get quite a lot of, of these sports stories with like an underdog team or or an athlete. Um, but this is actually the team behind the athlete, which I thought was like it was really interesting. Um, yeah, you don't have to be a Michael Jordan fan to go in. I think no, not at know, all. Many, many people will have watched The Last Dance on Netflix. Yes, explaining um, all about Michael Jordan's career. Yeah, which is that's just why I think it's good that they didn't highlight him as much in this. Mm. And there's obviously other documentaries and films out there that highlight how good he yeah. he was and what an athlete he was. But yeah, this like focuses on the team behind it, and I think yeah, that's good. Um, but like you said, I don't think you need to be a basketball fan or a, or even a Michael Jordan fan to go and see this. It, I wouldn't say I was a huge Michael Jordan fan. Like obviously I. I know he's a great athlete. I just don't really see much of his... I don't watch basketball, I really. Think for me, even... I mean, when I watched The Last Dance, it was obviously just in the start of lockdown, I think, 2020, yeah. it came out. Yeah. So like everyone was watching it. Um, you just see what he had to go through. Obviously, his dad's death. Everything that happened in his career. Um, his move to baseball, briefly. Uh, and then coming back with the, ball, uh, with the Charlotte Hornets. Oh yeah, sorry, I didn't mention. Co-owned. He, um, as Matt Damon's given his speech, it actually shows Michael Jordan's life, doesn't it? Clips yeah. of Michael Jordan's life, um, you know, his hardships, his failures, his successes. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the I, thing that stayed with you about the last night was his perseverance and just yeah, yeah, what he did. And obviously, the famous flu game where he was dead on his ass, so ill, but still managed to rack up points and get him to win yeah. that playoff game. Um, and yeah, I think this film just cements for me. What great athlete is he? Is. Yeah, maybe the greatest, greatest athlete of all time. Athlete. Wow. Because I think he was like the first. For me, anyway, what I can recall now, he is he was the first person who was just bigger than the sport. How could you be that good? The first great in the sport. Got you there, haven't I? Yeah. And Mount, yeah, Pele Maradona football. Obviously, a lot of sports that we're missing out here. But yeah, maybe it's just because Michael Jordan was at a time where like, media was starting to come into it. But yeah, I think he's definitely up there as one of the greatest athletes. I was having you this see the earnings that he's got just from these. This <laughs> yeah, just deal. from this. Brand. Yeah, but that's down to his mother ridiculous. more than him, isn't it? Two two hundred and fifty-six million dollars a year. Does he? Really? Well, that was last year, 2022. He earned. He only got nine. Well, just million. from Air Jordan Brand. Yep. Or that Jordan, the cut, Jordan. That was Brand. his cut of it. Nike earned 5.1 billion dollars last year mm-hmm. from Jordan Brand. So, what percentage does so he Michael get? Jordan gets five percent. Five. Five percent. Even the film, I'm thinking, how much does he get then? I'm thinking like 0.5. Yeah. Maybe one top. But he gets five percent. And it gives you a little text yeah. at the end of Michael Jordan earns da da da. And from those figures, I think I worked out, he can't get 10%, surely. Mm. Yeah, I remember you like that. It was 10%. That's I was like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But he gets 5%. And he only earned, through his NBA salary, for his whole career, only a 90 million. Fucking hell. But every year and he earns... these shoes. Over 200 million. <laughs> over 200 million. His net worth now, what do you think his net worth is? I wouldn't even like to guess. I honestly wouldn't like Come to on, guess. give a guess. Is it in the billions? Yeah. Oh my god! One point six 
billion dollars. Is his net worth? Is his net worth? Fuck me. It's one point three billion pounds. Do you know how old he is? I think he's late fifties now. So he's still still young, pretty much. It's <sighs> that's incredible. Yeah. Um, fair play to him. <laughs> he's obviously you know hard work pays off as it shows. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. If he wasn't that good, these shoes wouldn't have sold that much. Exactly, and so obviously. I think you know. they sold it. They sold obviously in the first couple of years because they were different. Yeah, they were this brand new thing. But again, if he wasn't the greatest, there's been. And like, like, um, you know, Dolores Jordan says, if it's not, it's nothing. The shoes, nothing until her son so steps someone into steps it. into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously highlighting there, Michael Jordan's success. But going back to film, I just think, yeah, it's it's immense what a great athlete he was. Um, and obviously those clips shown through the speech that Sonny Vaccaro gives it, it does make it very emotional like you do feel very emotional for Jordan like mm. and he obviously has gone through a lot of hardships but also a lot of success as well yeah. um but no yeah I thought it was an incredible film I, I walked out very happy um I would probably watch it again I'd go and watch it again when yeah, it comes 100%. out um on the 5th I'll probably I will actually probably go and see it again um just makes you see what sport can do as well the power of sport yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah. Well, obviously, there's a lot of controversy as well around the yeah, Jordan and you know killings that were surrounded the shoe and you know people trying to steal the shoe and killing people to steal the shoe. So obviously, it's a huge. You know, it's it's funny how sport can you know enter each of our lives, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, so yeah, it's a very powerful film. Um, and I just want to say as well, I don't think you have to be a, just uh, you know get the point across that you don't have to be a sports fan to enjoy this it's, it's, no, yeah. it's, it's a good film and you don't need to know much about sport or in, in the, you know. I think a lot of people go just because of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck yeah I think they're a big draw yeah. Um, yeah it's another collab by them as we said and yeah I think they are a great team I think they do make good films and we were talking about The Last Jewel on the um, last episode of the podcast and you said you watched it last night and yes, yeah. I think you enjoyed it it was alright mm-hmm. um, but I, I really enjoyed that film and I think a lot of the films they make together are quite good Um. So yeah, that's Air. Comes out 5th of April um, across across the nation, cinemas. Um, definitely recommend going to see it. It's definitely worth spending your time on that. Um, more than Shazam, like we reviewed last <laughs> um, No, yeah, definitely. What Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay, so that's Air. <laughs> Moving to John Wick 4 now. This is uh, the big... It's the the money shot of the podcast. <laughs> um, we're going to do quite a big review of this um, and also go into spoilers for this because um, I think there's a few things we want to talk about spoiler-wise. Um, a few shocks and twists and turns in the film that, that we weren't expecting. Um, so this is, again, directed by J- Chad Stileski. Is that pronounced Chad Stileski, yeah. Stileski, um, who obviously was once a stunt performer and um, was... Uh, Keanu Reeves double on um, The Matrix and such films and now he's a director so he's directed um, every John Wick film obviously you have Keanu Reeves back as John Wick um, Lawrence Fishburne returns Ian McShane um, as Continental owner Winston Bill Skarsgård is the main villain in this um, Chris is turning his nose up because he wasn't a big fan but he plays the marquee um, he's the big bad um, we also get Donnie Yen and Harry Hir- I'm going to Hiroyuki Sanada um, and newcomer Shamir Anderson and this is his first like major film Um, he plays the tracker and there's the British singer his daughter Sanada's daughter 
Yeah, well, I was actually, that's in my notes. I was actually going to come oh, back okay. to that. So but yeah, you can, well, I can't remember. <laughs> no, I can't remember her name now. I've got her name here, but I'll come back to that in my notes. Um, and obviously, Lance Reddick comes back, who recently <sighs> passed away just yeah. before the film was released. Um, so, yeah, RIP. That's, that's incredibly sad. I can't imagine. Uh, I know that they were wearing a blue ribbon, everyone on the mm. pre- premiere. Um, but yeah, incredibly sad for the cast that he passed away just before this film came out. Um, but yeah, the, the main premise of the film, John Wick's back. Um, following on from the last film, um, hopefully you've seen John Wick 1 to 3 before listening to the review. So um, he obviously was shot by uh, Winston, um, the Continental owner, um, in the last film and thrown off the building well shot off the top of the building and fell <laughs> like 20 floors um, and somehow survived incredibly <laughs> um, because if um, Winston didn't do that then he would lose Continental yeah. helping John Wick um, John Wick's back in this he's found a way to get to the high table um, and by doing so he uh, gets hunted again basically the premise of the film and the marquee um, played by Bill Skarsgård is is looking to put an end to John Wick. So that's that's the main premise of the film, I would say. Um, I'd spoil anyone that. If we go, just give a brief review of what we thought of the film before going into swears. What did you think, Chris? Now, I will say, sorry, this is obviously the longest John Wick. It comes yes. in at 249 minutes long, um, which is a very long film, almost mm-hmm. three hours. How did you find it? Well, I didn't think it was... It didn't seem as long as it was, which is always a good thing. Yes. Um... Also, I think there's three. It's just as there is with John Wick. There's like major set pieces in it. Mm-hmm. I think the best scene is it was when they were like at the casino, which is sort of right in the middle. Of yeah, things. I really enjoyed that. Um, great music. Yeah, the music just it's just a pounding beat yeah. that goes along with him blasting through these people. Um, it's great. And then yeah, again another sort of new shot that we saw, which is something that John Wick's always done. We saw this whole shot where it was like a floor. Like if you imagine when you're a floor looking plan, at houses, it? it was like a floor plan shot. Yeah. Camera's going over, I showing almost, him going <laughs> in different rooms. I almost referenced Cluedo. It's a bit like Cluedo, yeah, isn't it? True. <laughs> you're, you're looking above and with each individual room and he's like mm. kind of going through, blasting all these people. But yeah, I, yeah, I thought that was an incredible shot. So. Yeah, I think overall, yeah, solid <laughs> film. It's hard to not pick out one or two bits. We didn't actually see this film together, did we? Um, no. I actually went on my own to watch this on the like premiere night. Um, I will say, I thought I thought it was incredible. I thought it was really good. Um, for me, the runtime was a little bit too long, and I think you could have done without one of the set pieces, probably. Yeah, I, th- I don't know about the set pieces. I thought there were one or two scenes you didn't need. There was a the whole scene where they were going, getting ready to go on this boat, when they were setting up the last scene. <laughs> wasn't needed but then but, I do think there were some characters that should have been in it more yeah okay so that's in my notes as well that it introduced a lot of new characters that I really did enjoy mm-hmm. um, especially uh, Shimmy Anderson as the tracker I thought he was incredible he he has a uh, German Shepherd with him who like helps him fight oh Chris is I don't know if he's needed really yeah. so personally I think they're going to continue him in the franchise yeah I really right. liked him and I like that he was on both sides. Oh, nothing wrong with his performance. The but coin. I, I do understand where you're coming yeah, from, that maybe his storyline wasn't needed. Mm-hmm. I only think they're doing it because they're setting up Especially maybe Especially in the spin-off. context of the whole film with what happens at the end. Yeah, I mean, it, it, really, you could cut out his whole storyline and it wouldn't mm-hmm. change the film at all. No. 
But I do think they're going to try and set up a spin-off or, yeah, or continue yeah, the franchise yeah. with obvious character. why they're there. Obviously, they've got the Continental series coming out. Have they? So they've got a, yeah. a series... I, I didn't know this. So they've got, I know they've got the ballerina with Anna de Armas. Yeah, they've got a Continental series. It's already been filmed. So oh, really? Lance Reddick's filmed bits of it. So he'll okay. be there. So what does that focus on? Do you know? The Continental Hotel. The Continental... Just that one or <laughs> multiple Continental Hotels? No, I think it's just that one in, in the... Yep. Okay, I think but what's there going to be about it? Well, oh, but we need to wait till the spoiler section. But okay, all right. Obviously, yeah. We'll cover that in spoilers. So yeah, come back if you want to learn about the Continental series that's coming out. Um, but no, I just I just felt obviously every John Wick film follows the same sort of formula. You know, it's he's being chased. Crash bang, boom, boom, boom. A lot of fighting, <laughs> gun, gun, climax. Gun. You know, he wins. I think. I'll be hit by a car, thrown <laughs> off a building. <laughs> Survive. I think getting into the full film and it being almost three hours long, it did felt tiring for me. Like I, I came out of it and I was like, fucking hell, that was a lot of shooting, a lot of punching, a lot of fighting, and it's enjoyable to watch. And I was laughing actually through the film, like because you can't believe some of the stunts that these people do, and mm. I was audibly laughing like out of shock at like some of these stunts and how incredible they were, and just the constant fighting that happens. Um, but no, I did enjoy it. It was really enjoyable. And I think I was pleasantly pleased with the outcome of the film, um, which we'll get more into in spoilers. But I definitely would say if, if anyone's a John Wick film, I think you're going to love it. Um, I think any newcomers to the John Wick franchise, I, I think, you know, go back and watch one, two and three. But I think you would you would enjoy this film. Um, yeah, and like the new characters I enjoyed. Let's talk about Bill Skarsgård. I enjoyed the fact that he had a villain that didn't just want to fight him, that like wasn't just like bang bang shooting him. Um it was a bit more of he almost plays a man behind a chair, putting out all these assassins to take on John Wick. And he played like a pompous arsehole. Um which I kind of enjoyed. It was a bit different. Um but you, why didn't you enjoy his was it his performance you didn't enjoy or well you said you didn't uh, I just think the character I think his accent's awful. He's he plays a French accent. French, yeah. Um yeah, I just don't. I didn't really find the character that threatening. I liked more the um, other character who set up stuff. What was his name? The the man in the casino. Yeah, he's a German. He's actually a German bouncer. The huge guy. Yeah, the big guy. Yeah, <laughs> I've um, actually got a thing here. Um, because I thought from the trailer and stuff, I thought he'd be the main villain, but he's. What is it? It's about 15, 20 minutes, isn't it? So his name's Klaus in the film. Hmm. And <laughs> but he's a British actor, isn't he? No, he's not a British actor. He's from Germany. I'm sure no, he's German. No, 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 no. Are, you talk- are we talking about the same? The massive guy? Yeah. I don't think he's German. I think he's German. He's not German. Okay. But he, uh, Chad Stileski, confirmed that in the film he says, he shouts, I am Klaus. And I thought yeah. it was hilarious. I thought it was a reference to I Am Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> and Chad Stileski actually came out and said, yes, it is a um, it is a joke and it's a reference to um, I Am Groot. Um, it's a personal tribute from his to James Gunn and the Guardians of the Galaxy series, which he enjoys. So I thought that was incredible. So the villain is called Scott Atkins. Oh, so was from he? Brit- from England. What? That's him, yeah. So was he wearing a fat suit then? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, looks completely different. Yeah, but I mean, he, that looks real. Like he looks yeah. that big in the film. Yeah. I honestly, I honestly think he could play the penguin. <laughs> Don't you think? He gave that vibe of the penguin. He did, to be fair. So he's a stuntman. So yeah. he's obviously like yeah. obviously Chad Stusky knows him from stunts. 
Um, but yeah, I thought I thought he was an incredible character. I thought he was really good, and the whole um, poker scene where they're like playing cards. And, and, and but I also like the Harbinger. The Harbinger. Yeah, the guy who was setting up the fights. Yes, he was very. He cool. was. Yeah, he's really dressed cool. in he's black. It, what's that word? Very mysterious been in? character. Um, I what's thought he could name? have easily have been a villain. I thought he was going to sort of double cross him. It turned out that he's mm. actually the head of it. Um, what's his name? Yeah, Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown, he's been in a lot of good things. Shawshank. Shawshank, he was the main police officer in Shawshank. I love that actor. I think he's really good. Um, although I can't <laughs> name any of the films he's been in. <laughs> but no, he was really cool. And um, yeah, he plays the Harbinger. Um, but he kind of, he's the, the the lawman. He kind of makes sure that they're abiding by the rules. And um, mm. obviously something happens at the end. Yeah, but I, I think that would have been much better if he sort of double-crossed him and it turned out that he was actually the, the big bad. Because the other thing with Bill Skarsgård's character is he's so young. I know, you, you seem to have an issue with, like, oh, how did he make his way up to yeah. be in this, this role? But, I mean, you're talking about a world in which a man uses a suit as a bulletproof... Yeah, I know you can't really you apply can't, that much like, logic to it, but... Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I don't think it's consistent. Consistent? Ah, uh, well, mate, there's a blind guy who <laughs> <laughs> fights through this film... Um, Donnie Yen it's the second blind character he's played which I was actually uh, was mad to me but he plays Kane um, because he uses a cane I guess but he plays Kane um, who's a blind um, assassin in the film which was incredible to see Um, so that was quite an interesting take um, an interesting character new character Um, but yeah I just I didn't mind him I I do like Bill Skarsgård I think he's a good actor Um, I think he played the pompous arse I don't think you're meant to like him in the film obviously And he plays like a complete prick who will like bend the rules to get what he wants. Um, I just thought that was interesting, and it is. I think it was an interesting end to the film. The way John Wick deals with this character, I thought was quite good. I didn't see it coming. Um, it, it was a bit of a twist to me. Um, I, I enjoyed the way it ended. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I liked him. Um, yeah, I haven't really got much more time. Have you? Right. Lawrence Fishburne's good as well. Standard John Wick. Yeah. Um, he wasn't in it as much, really. I don't think no. Lawrence Fishburne this time. Um, I always enjoy him McShane as as Winston. Um, mm. he was good in it. Um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed it. So, I guess we're gonna go talk about spoilers now. Yep. Let's just finally give everyone our opinion. I would definitely go and see it. Um, of course, yeah. I think it's good. I wouldn't. Obviously, go to the toilet before you go in. It is a long film. <laughs> um, don't let the the time scare you though, because like Chris said, I don't think it um, feels as long as three, nearly three hours. I think it goes quite quickly, especially the action sequences. Should we say as well about the whole thing about being in IMAX? So you thought, and the person I watched it with, you so, both so, thought it was too loud. It wasn't loud. Okay, so <laughs> we both went into IMAX when I first. It opens up with John Wick punching like a wooden pole. And I'm not going to lie to you, when he punched this wooden pole, the cinema shook. It honestly <laughs> shook. I was rumbling in my seat. It was that loud. Um, I think IMAX is the way to see most action films. Um, I think it is an incredible experience. It's obviously a lot of money. Um, but if there's a film that you really want to go and see in an action film, like a grand scale film, I would definitely go and see it in IMAX. Um, but no, it was... It was loud. I didn't think it was too much for the rest of the film, but no, the definitely opening sequences was a bit fucking full on. Um, and I'm pretty sure when we were watching it, we could hear the thuds 
I could hear some thudding, so I think that was John Wick on next door. Oh, when you're watching it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is quite loud. But um, also, I think the camera work, like you were saying, with the, the bird's eye view sort of thing, the camera work is interesting in this film. I think mm. that does keep you like... Again, where they're going around the um, Arc de Triomphe. Is it the Arc de Triomphe? I think it's the Arc de Triomphe, yeah. yeah. In Paris. Yeah. And, and they're doing thing. what I call car-rati. Um, <laughs> That's what loads of people call it. <laughs> oh, sorry, what everyone calls yeah, car-rati. Um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, when they're fighting. I honestly don't know how they film most of these stunts. No. You, you see people it's like insane. getting flipped off of cars and thrown about and... I don't know how they film it. And also the colour grading. The colour in this film, mm. just it's just a beautiful film to watch. You know, it's not only action, like, it's it's enjoyable to watch, like, the colour the color that they use to portray different... Well, obviously, it's always dark, but... Is it? So would you say it's always dark? Most of the time it's dark, yeah. So it's always at night, isn't it? It's, it's mostly at night, yeah. I was, yeah, it's yeah, quite a vampire, actually, yeah, like, it? Yeah, huh? It's pretty much a vampire. <laughs> you don't... You're right, you don't see much during the day, but it is enjoyable... Uh, the lights that they use, to, you know, the, the artificial lighting is, is yeah. really good in it. Um, but no, yeah, I would, I'd definitely, definitely recommend it. Um, and it is good in IMAX. I think a lot of, some of the shots were shot for IMAX. So it's the first time they used IMAX cameras, I think, on the film. Um, so yeah, no, it is, I definitely recommend going to see IMAX if you can afford it. Um, yeah, it's very good. Oh, the thing I've got in my notes as well, that bird's eye view shot, following Wick as he makes his way through the rooms, um, Inspiration for the top-down like action scene, um, featuring the Dragon's Breath shotgun, was from a video game called Hong Kong Massacre that was released in 2019. Mm. So that's where they kind yeah, of got... talk about the Dragon's Breath as well, didn't we? What that the gun? New, yeah, well, it was ammunition, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, was new ammunition. Where that's where the ammunition. It would explode on impact, <laughs> so it was set alight. It was your yeah, victim. It was fucking incredible. <laughs> it was, it's just it's outlandish just what, fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm just like scanning through my notes quickly just to see if there's anything more I want to add before we go into spoilers. Um, no, I think that's I think that's it for for the review for the main review. Um, go watch it. Um, come back and listen to our spoilers if you want to hear our review of what we thought of the ending. Um, but yeah, going into spoilers then. What do you think of the ending? So so well, let's start. Let's explain. So I think we should start. At the beginning, really, with the death of Sharon. Right, yeah. Because that shocked me. I was surprised that he died. I mean, it no, was. It's... Lance Reddick's just died in real life. And they actually killed his character and off they in the film. Car- yeah. I mean, he's got a bit of emotion. Did you actually? I did. Yeah. I, I, it was so emotional. Sad. Um, it was odd, actually, because which it gives it more weight to the film, I guess, uh, unfortunately, that he did die yeah, in real life. It grounds it, yeah. Um, but yeah, this there was incredible. I can't imagine what it'd have been like for the cast on the night of the premiere, knowing mm. that he he's going to die. Well, in just the film. to watch this back now. Yeah, yeah, knowing, it must be a hard yeah. watch for them and for for the audience. To be honest with you, um, so it was it was. So if do you want to go into what what's the Continental series? Then you were saying that. So the Continental series will be a prequel. Oh, it's a prequel. John Wick, yeah. Right. Okay. And this is what I think they should do with John Wick films as well. We'll go back in time. Yeah. Because we know from... Focusing on John Wick film, or other... John Wick, yeah. Because right, okay. he fought with the Russians, didn't he? He fought for the Russian Mafia. Yeah, yeah. So I want to see all that shit. So we'd... Obviously I want to see his, his dog more. <laughs> yeah. Obviously you wouldn't get Keanu Reeves back to play a younger no. version of John Wick. So who would you... Who would be your oh. fan casting? I don't know. You put me on the spot there. Um, because I wouldn't say John Wick 
uh, or Keanu Reeves in the film is like hugely buff or no. you know built up. No. So it could be anyone really. Um, I'll be honest with you, Adam Driver would be pretty cool. He's got the long hair. Yeah, that would be fucking amazing. He's got a sort yeah. of like bit of a bit of a Russian look to him, isn't he? Is he young enough though? That's the thing. Oh, I don't know. He could play a thirty. 30. I mean, Maybe they should that? do the prequels, but they should start like recent. Yeah, it's like a few years before yeah. the first one. And then each one goes back further in time. Yeah, maybe. It goes the other way. Yeah. Good idea. But that's just to get one actor. Yeah. <laughs> to, to do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think of people who look a bit John Wicky. We need to put a wig on. What? <laughs> I mean, Timothy Charlemagne, but he's not. Yeah, he'd have to bulk up. Yeah, he'd like... have to bulk up a little bit. Yeah. He's a bit, maybe a bit too easy. Anyway. If you've got any recommendations. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the Continental Series is a prequel series about of how Winston gained control of this hotel. That's cool. That'll but it hasn't got him in it. So it has someone playing yeah, a young in Ian McShane? Fucking Mel Gibson's in it. Mel Gibson? Yeah. Okay, cool. It's just throwing me a bit. I've only just found that out. You're not a big fan of Mel Gibson, are you? No. <laughs> do you know who he is? You don't know his personal views, do you? I, I I do know I from yeah. from you I've I've Fucking understood nutter. a little bit about what his um, beliefs are. But yeah, so we're going to see how Winston was or how this hotel I think becomes what do they call it consecrated within yeah the whole assassin empire yeah under the hand. I find I find the law to John Wick really interesting. Mm. Like the Har- Harbinger character, like where did he come from? <laughs> like you know who's taking over the high table now? Um, so now, so obviously we've we've covered um, unfortunately Lance Redding, Reddick's um, departure from the series, but what about John Wick then? So were you shocked by the ending, like how how it played out? Well, before I went into the film, I thought, oh, right. for fuck's sake, you didn't spoil it for yourself. No, 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 no. I thought, all right. right, this is the longest one there's been. Yeah, and we're on number four now. It's not getting any younger. But what I also thought was, right, they haven't named, this hasn't got a title. Yeah. Not realising that there was chapter two, which didn't have a title. It was only no. chapter three. One, I mean, two, Parabellum, and four didn't have it. Which Parabellum did. Just a bit weird. Can I just say, they were going to give this one a, a title. Right. Yeah, no, I can't no. remember what it was. Yeah. But watching an interview with Chad Stileski, he was saying that they were going to give this one a title. Um, but they ended Maybe up... Maybe it would have given it away. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it did take... It did take by surprise. As well, you think, oh, he'll survive that. He survived much worse when mm. he's been hit by four cars in a row. <laughs> and and fell off a 20-story 20, 20 <laughs> building. Fell <laughs> off loads of buildings. Um, but yeah, I, I knew he had them. Did you realise he didn't fire? No, that's what I'm you saying. Know. So I didn't... So, well... I knew he didn't fire. So I, was like, I was getting close to him. Maybe I just was... As, I was shocked. But I thought Winston was going to come out the back and shoot him. Mm. I, knew he, I knew he had a bullet in the gun. I didn't, yeah. I I maybe didn't think about it, but yeah, when I saw him, I was like, the same skin. I did think Winston was going to shoot him. Mm. Or I thought that Harbinger guy would shoot him and then go, oh, it was me. Oh, uh, maybe, yeah. I thought what was going to happen was Winston was going to shoot him and say, look, I'm like taking over the table now. I'm like the leader of the high table. Mm. Um, or, or, you know, along those lines. Um, you went with your cousin and he had an interesting theory that maybe yeah. John Wick hasn't died. Um, well... No, it's more about Winston, wasn't it? It's more about Winston, so, but do you think John Wick's dead then? Cause, okay, I think, so, yes, but they can easily bring him back. Yeah, or, or what you see is, I and mean, they, anyone listening to this... I don't think they were going to bring it back. 
that now I think it's Lionsgate, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now they've seen how much money this has made. They're now considering. Then the, C- yeah, the CEO think... or the VP said they're now considering making a fifth one. Yeah, but I think they should just. But take... I do think there's a nice finality to this one. Yeah, I think, I think they, they should leave out. John Wick as it, it is to explore the law. They're obviously making Ballerina with Anna de Armas, and mm-hmm. she's you know she's a great actress. So you know, explore that. Maybe bring on you know. Um, Shamir Anderson as the tracker and explore his See, character. See, I thought he'd be in the series, but this is a prequel. I didn't realise this was a prequel series. Yeah. So, so explore his character. Um, you've obviously got the yeah, prequel. He's, so. he's got to be in a ballerina. I think there's a lot more lore that they can explore. They don't yeah. have to continue with John Wick. I like that he's, you know, finished. We don't need to see more of John Wick doing this shit again. And you can always come back in those films. They're prequels. You yeah. can just pop up now and again. No, but he's out now, isn't he? No, but in the prequel, in the series, oh, and the prequels, they do prequel yeah, films, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, someone needs help, or well, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? John Wick. John Wick. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, <a ghost part. laughs> but um, <coughs> yeah, obviously, all you see of him is like him falling asleep on the steps after being shot in in the waste, and, and his you grave. could, yeah, huh? you see, you see him at his, at his grave, but you could almost, you know, argue that he's not dead and he's out. Um, I think they left they left it open, didn't they? Ambiguous, yeah. yeah. Definitely left it ambiguous. Um, but then there's the other theory that the theory. So Winston had this tattoo on its hand. Oh, your cousin noticed this, but I, yeah, I didn't see this. I didn't notice this. So I, I will watch it again and it I'm going like to So it's a, is it a Russian tattoo and he... It's still like the gang tattoo, isn't it? Came back into this gang mm-hmm. during the film because he needed a gang to be associated with to be able to challenge... The Marquis. Yeah. The Marquis. Um... And he says, what did he say when he touches his grave? He says, I'll oh, see you soon. appreciate my everything son, you did. I was like, yeah, my wherever. son, yeah, yeah. So they're both linked to the Russian family. Mm-hmm. He says, my son is Winston John Wick's dad. I don't know. I did think. I don't think he is. I don't think he is. I mean, it's not hard. Like, if they're all in the same gang, then, yeah, obviously they'd all have the same tattoo. Um, the The whole son thing. I mean, he's called him son before in these films. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think he's his dad. Um, but it, it is ambiguous as to where like John Wick's past and like who his family are. Um, mm. He or he says um, Ian McShane's characters. Winston says that his family are like the Russian. He says about his family being on the high table, didn't he? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, we're gonna understand a bit more about his family, but then you just find out that obviously that's that gang that um, he used to be a part of. So. Yeah, I don't think it's his dad. But it was, it's an interesting theory. Um, and then, yeah, sorry, we were talking about um, Hiroki Sonada's daughter uh, in the film. Yeah. She's actually played by a pop star. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got it here. Her name is Rina Sawayama. I think mm-hmm. her name is. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, hopefully. Um, she plays um, Hiroki Sonada's daughter in the film and she's a pop star in real life. And the director... Um, just actually didn't didn't even know about her. He saw her on YouTube. Saw her music videos, yeah. Yeah, saw her music videos on YouTube and thought, as she's a dancer, she'll be able to learn the steps. In, and yeah, and he called her like the next day and said, "Do you want to join the film?" Yeah. I think she originally turned it down, um, but then she she actually yeah agreed to it and obviously. Yeah. I thought she'd be in it much more. I really. And obviously, what I, oh, yeah. <laughs> what I didn't see is Post I credit. didn't stay for the end credit scene. That it was it was one, and she does return. She does return, and she she oh has he got you got cramp. Oh, Chris's got cramp, everyone. <laughs> He's in pain. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
so basically Kane, um played by Donnie Yen, he he obviously kills um her father. Um I think his character is Sh- Shimazu, is that his name? Um he kills his father at the start. Kills her father at the start and she vows revenge and she says to John Wick, either you kill him or I will. Yeah. And then at the end, um he doesn't end up killing Donnie Yen's character. Kane, um, and you see, oh, so I when the film finished, I quickly looked up because I thought there might be a post credit scene being the last one. And I read what the post credit scene was, so I didn't stay for it either. Right, right. Um, I just wasn't interested, like to wait through the credits for that because we don't know if she killed her because apparently it just faded to black when she. It does. To... She she goes. She pulls out like a blade, yeah. and then it just cuts to black. black. Um, so you know, if they explore her character, if she goes on to be, you know, there's a lot they could do with this, the mm-hmm. lore and the history and the, the series of this. And I think it is incredibly interesting. I I hope they do do more. I enjoy. It. I think I really enjoy Anna Diarma. So, <laughs> so I like her performances. Um, sure. <laughs> no, she she's a great actress, and we've seen her do stunt work in James Bond. Um, in uh, what's that film called? Only No Time to Die. Yeah. Yep. She she does um stunt work in that, and I think she was great in that. So I think she's perfect for the role. I think she's gonna be really good at it. Um, I look forward to seeing that film come out soon hopefully um yeah i think that's that's all i've really got for for spoilers stuff i think it was I, i'm glad they killed him off um and, and i hope they do don't do any more because i think they've just been milking it mm. i'm kind of john wicked out at the minute not the law but like just the, watching the wick in the candle it's, it's gone out the wick in your john wick candle is it's, it's, uh, diminished. Yeah, diminished i think um I obviously enjoy them, and they are a good like laugh. Just like turn your brain off and kind of just enjoy this action-packed film. But it's it's a little bit too much now. I think I've kind of had my fill. Yeah, um, I was also disappointed we didn't see the Bowery King much more. Yeah, the film opens on him doing this big speech. Hmm. It's like this piece of camera, um, and that's all we really saw of him. I tell you what, my theory was going into this film. I thought. After John Wick, you see John Wick kill the head of the high table at the start of the film, which is what, you know, and they they just say, well, it's almost like Hydra. You kill one and there'll be three more heads who, re- who replace him. Yeah. Um, I was really hoping they were going to, like, kind of build up, like, I thought the Barry King and uh, Winston, they were all going to start becoming, like, members of the table. And I thought it was going to be, like, them trying to overthrow the high table and building their own table. Mm. I thought that would have been a little bit more interesting, and that's that's my only gripe with these films. They don't really, there's not not much development in each film. And if you actually look at like a recap of the last three films, it's pretty much the same thing over and over again. It kills someone who's important. They get he then gets hunted. He ends up beating the challenge, and then he gets hunted again. And then the next film, it's, it's the that's same the format thing. of the. And that's the format. But what I'm it. saying is, it, it gets old, doesn't it? After the full film, that's three hours long. It kind of gets a bit old. So I'm glad that they kind of put an end to it. Yeah, look, look at Avengers. I, I get your point. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, but people are getting Marvel fatigue. We spoke about this on like episode mm. two or episode one or two. You know, people are it, it does become a bit tiring and a bit boring, a bit old. So, you know, I know we're only full film in compared to Marvel, which is like twenty second film in. But at least in those Marvel films, you explore different aspects of the of the universe, and I think obviously. You know, Lionsgate are doing that by setting up these other fran- like you know mm. films and building on the franchise, which I which I am looking forward to, and I think that'll be interesting exploring different characters. But you know, I'm glad that they've ended this this story, and I, th- I think it's a good end to it. It it tied a bow in it neatly. I enjoyed Des 
bits in it at the end when he's like passing away that they show clips of him and his wife. I yeah. thought it's good that they brought that back and you know, because <laughs> this all started with his wife dying and her and his her dog. Gi- he'd given him the dog and you kind of have lost that through <laughs> two, three, and four. Um, so I'm glad they kind of brought that back at the end. I was of a four. bit disappointed he didn't have a dog. I know nobody had a dog, but I did. Nobody see. being. Uh... Well, okay. So in IMDb, he's classed as the, the tracker. But he's also Mr. Mr. Nobody, Mr. Nobody or, or Nobody, mm. um, which is Shamir Anderson's character, who we're saying that could go on to be the main um, title character of the next few films, maybe. Um, but no, yeah. Yeah, so he... He doesn't have a dog. He, no. Oh, no, he has a dog. He has a dog. But John but he is a tracker. We haven't really explained his character, so he just kind of like waits until the bounty on John Wick gets to a certain point mm. until he's sort of like priced in. It's right, yeah, I can do it for that. I won't take 15 mil. Nah. Well, I'll be honest with you. We'll wait until it gets to 40. I feel like he was reluctant to kill John Wick. Mm. Um, but in the end, especially when he saved his dog. So. Yeah. Which, I was which actually, is always going to happen. I was emotional. When that happened, <laughs> and you could see that he was like, honestly shot that John Wick saved his dog. Um, and that's why he doesn't kill him in the end. But yeah, I've, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, but yeah, I think they've lost a bit of, of the aspect of why John Wick is doing this, you know, through, through the last two, three, and four film so I'm glad they brought back his wife and yeah he's remembering her and it kind of tied the bow neatly on the, on the series mm. um but no yeah I, I enjoyed it look forward to seeing where other things go um yeah that's it really R.I.P. John R.I.P. John you burn that wick <laughs> um but yeah so that's it for our film episode this week um obviously good Good news that we enjoyed all all three films that we reviewed this week. Um, definitely worth giving you time to. Um, there's obviously a lot of content out there, too much content. Um, but yeah, definitely make time for these three films. Definitely worth your while. Um, we'll be reviewing TV next, and uh, see you out for the next episode. Bye.